My name is Leonidas, and this is Informed Descent. What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 41 of Informed Descent, the podcast where we push back against the culture of groupthink and challenge the narrative. I hope you're doing well. And I just want to give a shout out really quickly to Elias Amash. And he didn't ask me to do this, but Mr. Amash runs a company called Grip Tools. And he's a fan of the podcast. And he sent me some of his stuff, like like heavy-duty scissors and a multi-tool a magnetic picker upper thingy. <laughs> I believe that's the correct terminology. And a bunch of other stuff. Is it really cool of him to do that? But anyway, I very much appreciate Mr. Amash and I hope he knows that. And listen, I always want to support good businesses that are run by good people, especially with all of this madness going on with companies around the country. So check him out. He's based out of Michigan, I believe. But the website is Grip on Tools. It's G-R-I-P-O-N-T-O-O-L-S, GripOnTools.com. Support him and his business. All right. So this week, we're going to talk about the logic of voting third party in light of the news of the No Labels Party winning ballot access in three states and the panicked responses to that. So we'll talk about we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll also talk about some of these January 6th revelations and how some people like Dr. Naomi Wolf are recognizing that they've been duped. And our psychological concept of the week is the self-fulfilling prophecy. And NF has already released the second single from his album called Motto. So we have to talk about that one. But all right, let's get into it. Narrative number one, voting third party wastes your vote and helps the other side. So there was a Fox article published yesterday with the headline, newest political party on the ballot in three states has Democrats terrified. And the article highlights a new party, which is called the No Labels Party, which presents itself as a centrist unifying party. And it's picked up enough support in Colorado, Arizona, and Oregon to be included on the ballot for 2024. And in response to this, a Democratic think tank named Third Way said, rather than producing a third party ticket that would defy the overwhelming odds and win, no labels is on track to field a spoiler who would reelect Trump or a Trump-like Republican. A Trump-like Republican. Okay. And they also said that third-party candidates have no chance of winning a general election and would mostly pick up voters who would otherwise vote Democrat. It is interesting, isn't it? I, I have no idea if this no-labels party is going to be able to produce a candidate worth voting for. But this idea that people shouldn't vote third party because it's a vote for the other guy is just not a good argument. In my opinion, it's not a good argument. And I wish people would stop making it on both sides. Listen, we all know that the two party system is garbage, right? It has essentially become a uniparty for all intents and purposes. It's the same party. 
And when it's all said and done, the establishment is the establishment. And there's very little difference between Republicans and Democrats. I mean, yeah, they'll publicly act like they're diametrically opposed and throw jabs at each other for the cameras and for the benefit of us suckers in the audience. But once the cameras are off and the crowd is dispersed, they're high-fiving each other and going out to dinner and holding hands like the very best of friends. It's a game to them, and they know they have to play the game in order to get votes. And so they do their song and dance and then they leave those characters behind when no one's looking. It's, it's, it's like professional wrestling. It's, it's WWE. They're yelling into microphones with scripted middle school level takedowns of their opponents. Then they beat each other with chairs and stone cold stunners while we're all cheering in the crowd like fools. Acting like what's going on in that ring is actually real. It is not. There's a reason they hated Trump the way they did. But it, it reminds me of a scene in Hamilton where Hamilton confronts Aaron Burr because he switched parties and ran as a Democratic Republican to take Hamilton's father-in-law, Philip Schuyler's Senate seat. Here's, here's the song about it. Burr, since when are you a Democratic Republican? Since being one put me on the up and up again. No one knows who you are or what you do. They don't need to know me. They don't like you. Excuse me? Wall Street thinks you're great. You'll always be adored by the things you create, but upstate, Wait. people think you're crooked. The scholarship seat was up for grabs, so I took it. So this song shows Burr as an opportunistic politician through and through. No principles. Just seizing opportunities for power, right? Party was irrelevant. Beliefs were irrelevant. And later on, Hamilton endorses Thomas Jefferson for president over Burr for that exact reason even though Hamilton and Jefferson did not get along. The people are asking to hear my voice. The country is facing a difficult choice. And if you were to ask me who I'd promote, Jefferson has my vote. I had never agreed with Jefferson once. We have fought on like 75 different fronts. But when all is said and all is done, Jefferson has beliefs. Burr has none. When all is said and all is done, Jefferson has beliefs. Burr has none. And this picture of Aaron Burr is a perfect representation of the Washington establishment. No principles. Party is irrelevant. Just opportunistic, manipulative Machiavellians chasing power. So what of third parties? I mean, are they really spoilers? Are they wasted votes? Listen, here's my thing. If your preferred mainstream party candidate loses significant votes to a third party, then what does that say about your candidate? I think it's a bit ridiculous to say that the third party spoiled something by taking away votes. It's clearly, if someone votes third party, that means that they didn't want to vote for either the Democratic or Republican candidate. But what you're saying is that people should be bullied, if not coerced, into voting for a candidate that they don't even like or want to vote for. And that's even assuming that they would have voted at all were it not for the third party candidate. But what you're saying when you complain about third parties is that you would rather have a scenario 
where people have to vote for someone, not because they want to, but simply because there is no one else. Think about this for a moment and think about it in economic terms. If choices are limited in a marketplace, what usually happens to quality? If you aren't allowed to look elsewhere for competition and you must settle for one of two options, how satisfied do you think you're going to be with your choice? I mean, take anything, even if you like some something else a lot better, you aren't allowed to buy it because other people don't think that company can be successful. So you're restricted to two companies who actually work together as one company to give you the illusion of choice between them and who know that you aren't going to have any other choices and that you're stuck with them and have to buy their products. You think those companies will give a crap about what you want? You think their customer service is going to be excellent? Product quality superior? Prices low? No, it would be awful. And that's what we're dealing with, with this two-party shenanigans. When the choices are limited, when the competition is limited, the quality drops. It's just, it's basic economics. You know, we're now at a point where we don't really even vote for candidates anymore. And not really. We vote against them. It's much less about voting for your preferred candidate than it is about keeping the other group out of power. And progressives are unhinged, so I get it. I'm not, I'm not necessarily criticizing the behavior. It's a criticism of the system itself and the fact that it inherently yields this kind of atmosphere. In addition to corruption and a lack of representation, because politicians become beholden to the party and the special interest who control it and not to the people. In his farewell address, George Washington said, however political parties may now and then answer popular ends, they are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. Washington was opposed to political parties altogether, let alone a limited two-party system. And I think he was right to warn against it because we see the fruits of it. So it, it seems a reasonable question to ask that if the belief is that no one should vote third party, even if they don't like the two-party candidates, then what need does either party have to be accountable all they need to do is engage in demagoguery and make you hate the other side and that's it i think about the fact that so many black people continue to vote democrat for no good reason other than either tradition or they view republicans as racist probably a little bit of both and it's maddening Because the policies enacted in Democrat-run cities have had extremely negative impacts on the people who live there, including black people. Why would you continue to vote for those policies? I mean, take soft on crime policies, for example, that allow violent criminals back on the streets to continue terrorizing neighborhoods. If your neighborhood is prone to violence and criminality, 
Why on earth would you continue to vote for people who enact or support policies like that? Party loyalty. Of course, some of the argument is that Republicans have stopped trying to run in those places. But my goodness, what what does party have to do with it? Why should party have a role here? Surely there is a Democrat who sees what's happening and is willing to push back against it. But no, it's party over reason. A Democrat who, who vows to be tough on crime would be shunned by their own party. And so even if they personally believe in it, they have to toe the party line. Toxic stuff. That's what George Washington was talking about. But this is how it works, right? The party doesn't really need to convince you that they're good. They just need to convince you that the other side is bad. The other side is evil. And you can't vote third party because the other side is going to win. And then and we have no real choices as voters then. We're told the other side is evil. But guess what, guys? They're both evil. Both of them. Maybe there is a lesser evil, sure, but still evil. And simply voting for the lesser evil does not ease my conscience because you're still voting for people who have no business being anywhere near power. So what do you do? What do you do when both options are terrible and there are no third or fourth options? Or at least you're, you're supposed to act like there are no other options because if you don't, You'll be bullied into voting for the Uniparty with quips like, well, why would you do that? You don't want the evil people to get into power, do you? Voting third party helps the evil side. That's said by both Democrats and Republicans, by the way. Somehow voting third party helps both sides at the same time. (laughs) Both both sides will complain about it. But the overall point here is that People who vote third party clearly don't want to vote for either of the main candidates, and they shouldn't have to. We should not be restricted to two candidates. They shouldn't feel pressured or compelled, and they definitely shouldn't be bullied into submission. The irony is that if more people abandoned groupthink and felt comfortable voting third party, third party candidates would be competitive. Instead, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where people believe that the candidate can't win and don't want to waste their vote so they don't vote for them, which in turn creates a situation where the candidate can't win. It's a feedback loop. If people would stop thinking this way, third-party candidates would have a shot. It's like the experiment where a person steps on an elevator and everyone on the elevator turns and faces the wrong direction. Under social pressure to conform, people turn the wrong way too, even though they knew it was wrong. Don't do that. Don't be that person. If you want to vote third party, vote third party. Don't feel compelled to vote for a D or an R just because other people tell you to or they try to scare you or try to bully you into voting for one or the other. A lot of people are tired of the game. I know I am. I know a lot of you are, and I know that if we're ever going to break away from this two-party madness and the foolishness of both the Democrats and the Republicans, it's going to take people rejecting groupthink and refusing to face the wrong way on the elevator. 
Narrative number two. The government and media have been telling the truth about January 6th. (sighs) This is an easy one, because clearly that narrative is false. And anyone who has taken even two seconds to look into the J6 stuff at all can see that we have been lied to repeatedly. I mean, honestly, the narrative should just be the government has been telling the truth. And that would be equally false (laughs) because they never tell the truth. I mean, I'm focusing on the J6 stuff here today, but there have been all kinds of insane revelations recently, like the FBI lying and hiding messages, destroying evidence, intercepting emails and violating attorney client privilege in the Proud Boys trial, which is which is actually a part of the J6 insanity. So that qualifies. But what on earth, man? Then the FBI and DHS got busted being involved with online censorship efforts to silence people who were spreading unapproved messages about COVID and Ukraine. And what was particularly wild about that is that there were demands to censor people who were making factual statements simply because the government believed it may be problematic, like creating vaccine hesitancy, for example. I mean, just an egregious violation of the First Amendment. They don't care. They don't care. The government's more angry at people like Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss for exposing what Twitter was doing and how it partnered with the government to violate people's civil liberties. Check out Matt Taibbi's threads on Twitter on the Twitter files. It's it's unreal. So you probably noticed that this episode is essentially an I hate government rant. <laughs> like And we just did our taxes, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But anyway, let's talk specifically about this January 6th madness and the newly released footage that Tucker Carlson was given. And I'm a little late to it, I know. I do do this once a week. Most people have been talking about it for a week. But, man, this has been one of the most insane attempts at gaslighting that I've seen from our government and from the media. And, and the government and the media love to gaslight us. They do it all the time. And to this day, people still think Michael Brown had his hands in the air when he was shot in Ferguson. Still think it happened. Because politicians and so-called journalists still act like it's true. But anyway, this insistence on gripping to the narrative that January 6th was 9-11 2.0, that it was a deadly insurrection led by President Trump, darkest day in our nation's history. The idea that we nearly saw our country toppled and handed over to a shirtless man with horns and a raccoon hat, it's incredible. Because people saw the pictures. They saw them standing around and taking selfies. They, They saw the grandma looking like she was with a tour group. They saw the police officers letting them in. They also saw the extremely violent BLM riots just get shrugged off and called mostly peaceful including a riot at the White House that saw many Secret Service agents injured, a church burned down, and the President of the United States actually needing to be taken to a bunker for safety. And that got shrugged off. Forget about that stuff, guys. It's not important. And this was long before the new footage. But even initially, you know, the entire episode on January 6th was bizarre. And it should have seemed bizarre to anyone that was paying attention. The, the juxtaposition was just, it was strange. On one hand, you have 
images of people orderly lined up between ropes and calmly strolling through the capital like they're tourists, right? Like they're sightseeing. And then you have images of people rioting and breaking windows. You have, you have some images of police officers looking calm and almost vacant, like you would expect them to be if there was no immediate threat. And then you have other images of cops fighting with a crowd of people and, and people breaking windows and, and, and whatever else. Add in the fact that it makes no good sense that anyone was able to get inside if that was not what was wanted. Meaning that if there was a concern about security risk and they did not want people inside the Capitol, it is madness to believe that they were able to get in. Just absolute madness. There either had to be no such security concerns, which doesn't track with the rhetoric around what happened, it would be a massive failure in leadership, or someone had to give an order to let them in on purpose, logically. And we saw many of the Capitol Police officers doing that, holding doors, waving people through, showing people where to go. And even some of the footage that, Tr- that Tucker showed with them escorting the shirtless shaman guy around and helping him get into the Senate chambers. Jacob Chansley, I should use his name. Because man, what happened to him is the epitome of injustice. They gave him 41 months in prison. And for what? For what? Police officers escorted him. It makes, it makes you sick to think about it. And there are all kinds of other people who got railroaded simply for, for being there. Just being there. Didn't do anything didn't engage in violence, didn't threaten anyone. They were just there. It's, I don't know, it's nuts, man. Another insane detail shows that the January 6th committee brazenly lied about Officer Brian Sicknick, who was supposedly murdered by the mob, but was seen on the footage walking around inside the Capitol and waving people along after he was supposed to have been brutally murdered with a fire extinguisher to the head. And, and this has been one of the more egregious lies about the whole fiasco. And Tucker pointed this out. But it has been constantly and obsessively characterized as a deadly insurrection, right? By the committee, by Joe Biden, by Kamala Harris, by Democrats at large, by the mainstream media, Everybody, over and over and over again, we were told that it was deadly and that police officers were killed. In reality, the only person who was actually killed was Ashley Babbitt, and she was killed by a police officer. The type of unarmed police shootings progressives apparently don't care about, but I digress. Multiple police officers did later commit suicide, which is extremely tragic and suspicious on its own, by the way. But few people ask questions about that. It's just normal for several Capitol Police officers to commit suicide like that. Don't worry about it. Not important. All we need to know is that they died. And the media and the politicians just decide to pretend that they died during the actual incident and not by suicide. Don't take your eyes off of the shiny light. Now, there were also a couple of protesters who had heart attacks and died, and that's tragic as well. But they didn't die. They weren't killed. And Brian Sicknick, he had a stroke. He was not murdered either. He had a stroke. And, and sadly, he ended up passing away. 
is awful, but he wasn't murdered. The only person who was actually a victim of homicide was Ashley Babbitt. And yet, when they say the events that day were deadly, amazingly, they are not talking about her. Just that alone is enough to know that the narrative is trash. <sighs> I'm, I'm so sick of being lied to, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of the media. I'm sick of these politicians. I'm sick of all of it. Just tell the truth. Enough with the manipulation and political games. For once in your lives, be honest. It's too, it's too much to ask, apparently, because they think we're stupid. And I guess we are stupid because it apparently works. People continue to believe them and they continue to go along with the foolishness. The lies get rewarded. The manipulation gets incentivized. You get people like Whoopi Goldberg insisting that showing people video footage that has been hidden from the public is somehow Orwellian. Hiding the video footage and refusing to allow people to see it in order to paint a specific narrative is perfectly fine. That's, that's what we want from our establishment. But if you show people the video, whoa, that's 1984. Here she is. Last night, Tucker Carlson took a page from George Orwell's 1984 <laughs> and told his viewers to reject the evidence of their eyes and ears. That makes sense. Yes, he also later went on another rant and called for Fox News to be shut down and prosecuted by the Justice Department, saying that the First Amendment does not apply because, and I quote, the First Amendment doesn't allow you to willingly lie. You know, not only is the irony lost on them that everyone on the show they are currently on would be sent directly to the gulag in her anti-free speech, anti-free press communist utopia, but she is legitimately advocating for rescinding the First Amendment, completely based on what she personally agrees with or disagrees with. The communist never believes that they'll be subjected to their own rules. Always naive. Always punishing other people. Never believing that they're going to be subjected to it. Now, I, I should point out that I've criticized the media heavily myself for knowingly engaging in deception and creating problems. Heck, I've done it this very episode, and I've often wondered how to deal with the problem of journalists using their platforms to lie and manipulate people. That's a real issue. I don't agree with Whoopi's characterization of Tucker, but I agree with the problem of the media being able to get away with brazenly lying. How do you deal with a media organization that lies about police shootings, for example? Or lies about anti-lockdown protests being COVID super spreader events and BLM protests somehow not spreading COVID at all. Or lying about January 6th being a deadly insurrection. I mean, the media constantly lies. Constantly. And that's a whole episode by itself. So how do you deal with it? Nick Sandman and Kyle Rittenhouse sued them and won. So that's at least part of the answer. And you can't just smear an innocent person and lie about them and ruin their, their life and reputation. The ultimate solution, I think, is for people just to stop listening to the liars. Recognize that you're being lied to and stop believing the lies. As it is, we're dealing with supply and demand forces. They lie because there is a demand for lies. 
That's the unfortunate truth. People want to be lied to. They want the emotional satisfaction of the false narrative. The truth is not nearly as invigorating and doesn't stimulate their confirmation bias. People want the lies. And I don't know how to fix that. I quote Thomas Sowell all the time, but here's another one. He says, the reason so many people misunderstand so many issues is not that these issues are so complex, but that people do not want a factual or analytical explanation that leaves them emotionally unsatisfied. They want villains to hate and heroes to cheer, and they don't want explanations that fail to give them that. And that's 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 it. That that people want emotionally satisfying answers. They want to be lied to. As long as it stimulates their emotion and their confirmation bias, they're they're okay with it. But at least some people are recognizing it though and seeing through it. The feminist author Dr. Naomi Wolf issued an apology to conservatives about being duped by the media and by politicians. And I want I want to read some of what she said. She said It's tempting to sweep this confrontation with my own gullibility under the rug, to move on without ever acknowledging that I was duped and that as a result, I made mistakes in judgment and that these mistakes multiplied by the tens of thousands and millions on the part of people just like me hurt millions of other people like you all in existential ways, end quote. She's talking about the events of January 6th and how the media and the politicians lied about so much of what happened that day. And she goes through it all in the article, which I encourage you to read if you haven't yet. It's entitled, Dear Conservatives, I Apologize. It's too long to read the whole thing here, but I do want to read the end of it because she goes even beyond the January 6th stuff and acknowledges that the media has been lying about all kinds of nonsense and she's just now recognizing it. But she says, I also believed wholesale so much else that has since turned out not to be as I was told it was by NPR, MSNBC, and the New York Times. I believe that stories about Hunter Biden's laptop were Russian propaganda. Dozens of former Intel officials said so. Johns Hopkins University said so. Trump specifically cited a laptop that contained emails allegedly belonging to Hunter Biden, said CNN fact check with plenty of double quote marks. I believe this all till it was debunked. I believe that President Trump's campaign colluded with Russia until that assertion was dropped. I believe that President Trump was a Russian asset because the legacy media I read said so. I believed in the entire Steele dossier until I didn't because it all fell apart. Was there in fact an infamous P-tape? So many other bad things were being said about the man, why not? I believe that President Trump instigated the riot at the Capitol because I did not know that his admonition to his supporters to assemble peacefully and patriotically had been deleted from all the news coverage that I read. Because of lies such as these in legacy media, lies which I and millions of others believed, half of our nation's electorate was smeared and delegitimized, and I myself was misled. It damages our nation when legacy media put words in the mouths of presidents and former presidents and call them traitors or criminals without evidence. 
It damages our country when we cannot tell truth from lies. This is exactly what tyrants seek, an electorate that cannot know what is truth and what is falsehood. She is spot on here. Absolutely spot on. And I've I've made that point many times that it is very frustrating and, and dangerous when people do not trust what they're being told by the media and by politicians, when people can't know what's true, when people can't have a grasp on whether the system is operating appropriately or correctly, and they just have, they have no trust in the system, they have no trust in their government, and they don't know what's true. It's, the media is supposed to be that liaison. It's supposed to be the people who look behind the scenes and pull the curtain back and tell us what's going on. And if we can't trust them to tell us the truth, then who can we trust? I appreciate Dr. Wolf's willingness to do this and put herself out out there like that. And I'm certain she's received blowback from the left for straying from the approved dogma. But I hope she continues to stray. You know, it's worth noting that my own political 180 also happened when I recognized that the media was lying. And that was Ferguson. That was that was during the Michael Brown stuff. And prior to that point, I was uh, I, I naively believed that the media were telling us the truth. And it was shocking to find out that not only were they not telling the truth, but they were intentionally being deceptive, intentionally manipulating and intentionally trying to stir up trouble. And once I realized that this was happening and once I realized I was being duped and manipulated and I started reading Thomas Sowell on a friend's recommendation, my entire, tra- pers- my entire perspective was transformed. So I, I hope that continues to happen to Naomi Wolf. Somebody send her basic economics and discrimination and disparities immediately. <laughs> I, b- I believe that's called a red pill. I hope that that happens to Naomi Wolf. I hope that she continues to transform her perspective and challenge her own presuppositions and her her own thoughts and ideas and assumptions about the world. You know, hopefully this is an indication that more and more people are becoming aware of the lies and manipulation that's happening. And I hate to be cynical, but it should be beyond clear at this point that the people pushing these narratives in the government and in the media have absolutely no interest in telling us the truth. We need more and more people to wake up to that fact. We need a lot more red pills. Psychological concept of the week, self-fulfilling prophecy. A self-fulfilling prophecy is a belief or expectation that an individual holds about a future event that manifests because the individual holds it. Meaning that something happens to you because you believe it will happen or somebody else believes it'll happen and affects your behavior. And this concept really gives insight into just how powerful thoughts and beliefs can be. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21 says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words matter. Thoughts matter. 
They can literally shape your reality and either bring about blessings or curses. You know, I I love the story of Oedipus, which is often used when talking about self-fulfilling prophecies, where a literal prophecy came true simply because of the prophecy itself. So Oedipus's father predicted that Oedipus would kill him. So he abandons him and leaves him to die. Oedipus is found, though, and raised by people that he comes to believe are his real parents. Oedipus is later warned about the prophecy and told he would murder his father and marry his widowed mother. And thinking that this is referring to his adoptive parents, he leaves his home in order to try to escape the prophecy. And he goes off to the city and he ends up fighting with some strange man and killing him. And then he marries the man's widow. And of course, it turns out that he had murdered his real father and married his mother. Yeesh. But the prophecy fulfilled itself because it changed the behavior of both Oedipus and his father, causing the prophecy to come true. So, another good example is, is Harry Potter, right? Because in, it's very explicit in that, that the only reason that Harry becomes the chosen one is because Voldemort believed the prophecy and then tried to kill Harry, making him... The, the chosen one, making him destined to one day bring about the fall of Voldemort. So essentially, Voldemort sealed his own prophecy in an attempt to escape the prophecy. He sealed the prophecy by marking Harry and giving him giving him the power that he did. So, you know, it also reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, which comes from a scene in Kung Fu Panda. One often meets his destiny on the road he takes to avoid it. Yeah, see, same concept. See, if you listen to Informed Descent, you get references to Harry Potter, Kung Fu Panda, and Greek mythology. (laughs) Can't beat it. Anyway, the self-fulfilling prophecy shows up everywhere. And like we mentioned earlier, it shows up in what happens with third-party candidates in the fact that people believe third-party candidates can't win, therefore they don't vote for third-party candidates, which creates a situation where third-party candidates can't win. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But there have been experiments done that show that children often excel to the expectations of the adults around them, namely parents and teachers. So if an adult... uh who a kid sees as a role model or an important person in their life expects that kid to fail or lag behind, then they're more likely to fail or lag behind. And that should be common sense, right? Because what happens to your behavior when you expect a kid to fail? You're probably not going to be as as encouraging. You're not going to push them as much. You're not going to expect much out of them. In contrast that with how an adult treats a kid who they think has tremendous potential. It isn't difficult to see how a self-fulfilling prophecy could manifest. And that's one reason that I get so frustrated with victim mentality and CRT and DEI foolishness in schools. You're setting kids up for failure. I just wrote a substack on this and I use Nemo as an example. Uh, And I won't expound on it too much here, but Nemo escaping the fish tank filter tube is a great example of a self-fulfilling prophecy that could have gone either way. 
depending on what prophecy was made. Nemo escaped the tube because of Gil's prophecy that he had the ability to escape. That he would escape. Nemo initially had a negative self-perception and as such was not going to be able to get out. Had Nemo been by himself, he would have likely remained stuck based solely on his belief that his gimpy fin would not allow him to escape, not on his actual ability. Gil, however, refused to allow Nemo to offer excuses and instead instilled in him an attitude of strength and fortitude and a belief that he had the ability to overcome adversity. And because of that, Nemo was able to escape. You give a kid an internal locus of control. You teach them that they're strong and resilient and brave and that they can do anything that they put their mind to, that they may not be able to control everything that happens to them, but they can control how they respond to it and that they absolutely have the power to control their own destiny. That's what we should be teaching our children. Nemo learned that he was only helpless if he allowed himself to be helpless. He was only as powerless as he allowed himself to be. And because of that, he had the confidence to help save Dory and a group of other fish toward the end of the film. The prophecy Nemo made about himself came true. The prophecy that Gil made about Nemo came true. Not as a matter of chance, but because it fundamentally altered Nemo's behavior and the way that he viewed himself, which allowed it to become true. As Henry Ford once said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you are right. And okay, so I know we did an NF segment not that long ago, but he has already released a new song from the new album. If you didn't catch the episode the last time we talked about it, NF is probably my favorite artist right now across the board, any genre. And this is rap, and I honestly don't even really like most rap, but this is actual artistry, and it's not just nonsense like most rap. And it's clean, so that's a huge plus. But anyway... The new album is called Hope. The first single is also called Hope, and it's a great song. But this new song is called Motto, and it's basically him making fun of the industry and of award shows and how he's kind of been an outsider despite being extremely popular. I mean, he has 9 million YouTube subscribers, and I just looked, and Motto has 3.6 million views, which is insane. (laughs) It's crazy. But yeah, I mean, this is a this is a totally different vibe for him because most of his music is is kind of dark and introspective and dealing with mental anguish and inner demons essentially. But this one, it, it's more of a playful side where he's laughing and joking and and poking fun of uh, of the industry, which which I'm here for. I'm I love it. And the video <laughs> is hysterical. The video is hysterical. It's it's basically him crashing an award show and messing with everybody. 
Which, which side note, my friend Kangman Lee played one of the celebrities on the red carpet that NF messes with in the video. And he did a fantastic job looking incredulous, by the way. So shout out to Kangman Lee. Good job, buddy. But here's some of the song. Yeah. I miss buying CDs at the store and thumbing through the cases trying to make a choice. That don't make no sense to you, well, of course. See, one man's inconvenience is another's joy. Wow, wow, how are you unemployed? Telling me to get a life, you should look at yours. Yup, congratulations, you can raise your voice. Hope you break both of your legs falling off your horse. This is the industry where it ain't how big you are, it's how big you seem. Where people sacrifice the art trying to chase a dream and they wonder why their music's lacking creativity. Oh, yeah. Would it gave anything to be respected by the artists I was listening to? But not no more, them days of history. Skip the red carpet, you looking for me? Oh, God. Yeah, you might catch me at the award show. Yeah, I'm pumped for this album, man. <laughs> I know I'm fangirling here, so so don't judge me. But man, every time a new single drops, I need to listen to it immediately, and it never disappoints. It's always on point. Every song is on point. But what are you guys listening to? I mean, what kind of music do you like? Who are your favorite artists right now? Send me some songs to listen to. Email me at leonidas at leonidasjohnson.com. I am open to music recommendations because... Until the NF album comes out, I am in desperate need of new music. All right, guys, let me know if there are any topics you'd like me to tackle in a future podcast. I'm always open to suggestions. Just shoot me an email. And make sure you pick up a copy of my new book, Raising Victims, The Pernicious Rise of Critical Race Theory, which is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, and anywhere you get your books. I really appreciate you. Until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Leonidas, and this has been Informed Dissent. If you would like to support the show, you could do so through donorbox.org slash Leonidas. That's D-O-N-O-R-B-O-X dot org slash Leonidas. I really appreciate that. Make sure you follow me on social media at Leonidas Johnson and check out my website at leonidasjohnson.com. And I have a substack now, which is just leonidas.substack.com. And as always, remember to do your own research, challenge everything, and don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe. We'll see you next time. God bless. <laughs>